People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our Kardashians finale recap. Hey, Jewel. Em, I can't believe it's the finale. I mean, first things first, if you are listening to this and somehow you stopped watching the episodes once the credits started rolling, this is an absolute PSA emergency. Go back and watch the last minute or so post-credits. I am telling you guys, it is the best minute of the entire episode. It's potentially the best minute of the entire season. If you don't go back and watch it, you'll never forgive yourself. This is the behind the scenes Pete content that we have wanted and have been craving. And Kim is just edging us in like a professional way almost. Do you think that this is now the precursor to getting to see him more next season? Okay, so here's my thing. It wasn't just this because in the scene with Scott and Chloe when they're talking about Pete, for a split second, I thought he was about to appear because Scott's looking at his phone as if he's texting him being like, oh, he was supposed to be here. I wonder why he's not here. And I thought he was about to walk on screen. So I think between those two things, absolutely, we're being primed for his appearance next season. Oh, my God. I I can't handle that. Like emotionally, physically, anything. I want it more than anything in the entire world. I just like worry about myself. No, you're going to be so good. I promise you (laughs) it's going to be blissful. Can we talk about that scene? Like this episode is so heavy. I just need to start off on a light note. Yeah, I know it may feel counterintuitive to start with the last 30 seconds, but I think given the content of the rest, absolutely, let's start here. Thank God. Okay, so Kim is in her confessional and she's saying to Pete, who is clearly sitting off camera, Pete, come here. You have to meet Paxi. Paxi has worked with me as audio 14 years from Keeping Up with the Kardashians. She knows everything about me. She's probably seen my vagina. Pete says, more than me? She's like, no, not more than you, but she's probably seen it. Paxi goes, I actually haven't seen your vagina. She's like, what? You haven't seen my vagina? We'll get there. It takes time to warm up, but you could look on the internet. (laughs) I'm just kidding. When Kim said the internet thing, I felt really validated because I was like, we've all seen your vagina. I know. No, here's the thing about this. Aside from the obvious, which is we got Pete's voice off screen. We knew that he was there watching that confessional being filmed. He's making a joke about their sex life. All of that. Those are the clear things. But in terms of almost like the subplots of why this was so good, we got her mentioning keeping up with the Kardashians, which anytime they do this on the show, somehow it feels very nostalgic and almost a little bit meta for me. And second of all, she made reference to her sex tape. So those were three key things, keeping up with the Kardashians, the sex tape, and then Pete slash her current sex life all happening in the course of 45 seconds. It was a little bit overwhelming. You know what I loved about this scene? Mm. When they were on the phone and Kim was on the plane showing Pete around and she was showing him the back room where they have the beds and she was like, well, this lays out into a king size bed. Like, I feel like collectively we were all waiting for Pete to make some sort of a joke about that and then he didn't. And so for then in the last 30 seconds of the entire season, we get that moment that we wanted a couple of episodes ago. I was like, Thank God. Like, yes, that's exactly what I was looking for. I know. And again, it is only Kim that does that because she is so deeply in touch with what the audience wants that she knew the absolute best way to ring in this season and to get everyone hooked for the next season and also to get the most clickbait and talked about moment from the episode is to throw in a little 30 second post-production like Pete behind the scenes. That's it. No, that was genius. That was so good. 
Yes, but also the thing that I was really curious about is this look that she was in when she was doing this confessional is the same look she was in when she talked about Pete many times throughout the season. And so I'm curious if he had been sitting off camera through the entirety of her shooting this confessional, or at least during parts of it, which is maybe why she was so giddy during some of the times she was talking about him, or he just came at the end. Like That's a really fun thought to think about. Was he in the room while this was happening throughout the season? And also, by the way, that's the perfect ending to all of these confessionals is like, surprise, Pete's been here the whole time, if that is the case. Or even if it's not, just the fact that we're talking about it and hypothesizing and wondering, that's it. I mean, clearly the job has been done well enough and it was executed properly for us to even have that thought. To be able to get that scene, like almost made me feel okay with the show coming to an end for the season. Prior to that, I was so upset that it was ending. Like I just like didn't want it to be over. And then we got that little peek of Pete at the end and it just like gave me a whole new thing to look forward to. Like it carried me until the next season. I know. And then the million dollar question is, when is this next season going to be? And I have to feel hopeful that it's going to be the fall. And I could be wrong, but I'm praying that I'm not. I'm praying that you're not wrong either because that's my thought process as well. It feels like they have enough content and are actively filming that it seems plausible, don't you think? Yeah, it, I mean, to me it does. And I again, that's the conversation that we've been having was when the show first started, we had that moment of like, there's nothing different about the timeline here. Like we're still having to wait so long for this information, but we didn't consider the fact that that timeline being shortened in this new show meant after the first season, not leading up to it. And so that's the hope that I have here, that that's really what that means. Yeah. I mean, listen, from our mouth to God's ears. (laughs) You listening, buddy? (laughs) Okay. So let's get into the Chloe and Tristan of it all, which really is going to be the bulk of this episode. We basically compiled all of the relevant scenes about this and put them together. So it's not going to be in order necessarily, but we'll just go through some key takeaways. And I think I guess the overall statement I want to make is that in a lot of these conversations that were about Chloe and Tristan, the biggest takeaways were actually completely un-Chloe and Tristan related. For example, Kim using that to reflect on her relationship with Kanye, which to me was like easily top five moments. Yeah, I was thinking that too. It was almost like, not thank God that it happened, but I was just happy that amidst all of this, we were getting additional information that we wanted. Totally. So we pick up where we left off last week, which was Kim doing those really rushed bicep crawls while also reading Chloe the legal statement. And again, we have additional confirmation here that Chloe had absolutely no idea. This is the first that she is hearing about it. And we see that Kim is sitting there in her gym while on the phone with Chloe, scrolling through the backward photos or whatever it was of Marilee Nichols pregnant, which were the exact same photos that we saw on Daily Mail, which is like such a mind fuck when you really think about it. But To me, this was one of Chloe's rawest reactions. I mean, you heard first the shock, then kind of the panic, and then just the hysterics. Listening to Chloe cry on the phone really broke my heart. And that was the thing about this episode was that she didn't hold back at all. Like everything that she was feeling, all of the waves and all of the emotions that she was going through and all of the different stages of like grieving this relationship and looking back on the past and reflecting on certain things. Like she opened up about every single piece of this. And the only time that it was almost too much to be on camera was when Chloe is on the phone sobbing and Kim hits that point of like, okay, the cameras need to go away. I know, which says a lot because that's very rare for Kim to do. It is, but it did feel necessary. Like there was a certain point where it hit when it was almost like, okay, we, we, we get it. Like we shouldn't be seeing this right now. Uh, No, totally. I understood that it was intrusive. And honestly, you didn't even need to hear the rest to be able to imagine what it would have been like, because those initial cries when she was really letting it all out, you can just imagine that that sustained itself. And, you know, Kim, I just think has such a unique ability and position with Chloe to really be the one that's not only relaying the information to her, but it's also on the other end of the phone. And it's almost like in Chloe's worst moments, it's not that Kim can be there for her, quote, better than anyone else. But I think the the part about Kim that Chloe derives a lot of comfort and safety from is that no matter what, Kim reminds her, don't forget who you are and who we are. Like, this may be terrible, but I promise I fucking got you. And I think it's the loyalty and Kim's awareness of like where they sit in all of it that can be very helpful as a reminder for Chloe. 
Kim is the perfect person in this scenario. Like everybody plays a really unique role in Chloe's life and in helping Chloe through this. But Kim has a very specific quality about her that matches up with exactly what Chloe needs. And also, I think Kim knows Chloe the best in order to know exactly what Chloe needs and doesn't need in those moments. Like everyone else was kind of tiptoeing and trying to figure out how to navigate this. And I don't blame them for that. It's a very difficult situation and it's a really difficult situation to help somebody through. But the thing with Kim that is so specific and the reason that she is such an asset in situations like this is that she never second guesses herself. She never second guesses knowing exactly what to say to Chloe and exactly what Chloe needs in those moments. Right. And I think that both Chloe and Kim know that, that she is the perfect person for this. But hold on. In this next scene when they're having the family meeting at Chris's house, this is totally unrelated. But did you catch that the outfit Kim is wearing here is the same outfit that she was wearing in her Vogue Objects of Affection video, which makes me think she was coming right from doing that at her house. You know, the video where she's going through all the kids' baby books right then to Chris's house. I didn't catch that, and I'm really impressed that you did. I was trying to figure out where I knew the dress from and why she was dressed like that for the family meeting, but I couldn't figure it out. I knew it was, and then the second I Googled it, I was right. But it really made me think. Think about how many things that they do, whether it's Vogue or Harper's Bazaar or, you know, L get ready with me or whatever the fuck it is when there's so many other things happening. Like when we watched that video, we had no idea that she was either just coming from or going to Chris's house for a family meeting about how to deal with this new Tristan scandal. Like it's just so wild that almost through this episode, we're getting the behind the scenes of one of her other more viral moments. Well, that's really one of my takeaways from this whole episode was When they're doing all of these things, you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Like even something as simple as them doing all of the Kardashian promo shoots, the picture that we keep seeing over and over and over again of the family, that is literally happening at the exact same time that the Tristan cheating scandal is happening. We would have never thought that. And obviously based on Kylie being pregnant and when, you know, things were starting to happen with the show rolling, you can almost deduct that if you thought hard enough and long enough about it. But we just took it at face value. We didn't think about the time frame of it. And so to get that behind the scenes of like, wow, we keep seeing this picture over and over and over again. Every single time we watch the show, it's the opening credit. And we had no idea that that's what was happening. No, I mean, it was quite literally in the midst of hands down the most devastating moment of the season. Right. When they are sitting down and obviously Chloe doesn't end up showing up and they're just, you know, having the same conversation, which we know that Chloe appears to be very strong, but they don't want her to have to be so strong and all of that. When Kim basically says, listen, I can't lie to you. Yes, we take the high road, but sometimes I just want to put him on blast. And then she looks directly at the camera and is like, if you think I don't screenshot every single fucking thing, (laughs) that's it. Kim talking to the camera is it for me because it's like, it's like she's talking to me. I'm like, I swear I didn't do anything. Like there's nothing for you to screenshot. Like I would never. I, I know. Also though, that is a meme template. We have to make some memes to that. But in general, that will be a meme template. I have about a hundred memes that I already want to make. I know. I mean, listen, I wouldn't say we got too much from this scene. It's obviously interesting to see the way that they all process it, but this is exactly how I would have envisioned Chris to be handling it. The entire concept of a family meeting is so them. You know what I mean? Like, are family meetings a thing that people actually have? Yes, but obviously the objective here is different because so much of it is influenced by the fact that it's happening in front of the public. I don't necessarily know if they'd be having a family meeting if, like, Tristan wasn't cheating on her in front of literally the entire world. Yeah, but, like, that's my question. Like, I always feel like in TV shows and sitcoms, people are like, we need to have a family meeting. Like, do people in real life sit down and be like, we need to have a family meeting? Yeah, I I totally think so. You don't? I don't know. It it seems so fake to me. Well, no, that's just your worst nightmare. Like everybody's sitting in a room to like talk about their feelings. (laughs) Oh my God. Do not ever make me do that. I I was about to say, obviously when I have kids, we're going to have family meetings. That's like my drug. Oh my God. It's scary. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I want to talk about the scene when Kim comes over to Chloe's and she sits in her bed with her. Me too. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. 
So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. I don't know about you, but I thought this scene was fascinating. I mean, Sam. Because for so many reasons. Number one, we obviously got to see a very intimate look at how Chloe was handling all of this in the immediate aftermath. But on top of that, through this conversation, we're hearing some serious Kanye insight, which we can talk about in a second. But then just to hear them almost evaluating the way that they all deal with each other's relationships, like for us who basically analyze that for a living, to hear them analyze it, that's like unparalleled insight. It was almost like a moment, at least for me, where I was like, oh yeah, like you guys have stuff going on behind the scenes. Like you guys are real people. Because when you're watching a TV show, for example, that's a scripted show, like what you see is what you get. Like there's no characters having conversations off camera. It's like whatever is written is what's happening. And so sometimes I think that when we approach the Kardashians, especially as we see them on the show, There are times where we forget that there is things being said behind the scenes and things going on that we will never be privy to. And so these moments of like, well, I should have done this, or maybe I should have done this, or as I said to you this, and it's like all things were like, well, we never saw that go on. All of these dots then get connected about the roles that they have in each other's lives and the things that they are privy to that we aren't. And that's a crazy thing to be able to see. And then on top of that, for them to sit there and analyze that behavior, not just be aware of the fact that it's happening, but to really delve into it and the reasoning behind it and what they're thinking in those moments, like that's the best insight in the world. I know. I mean, I want to read these two quotes verbatim because I think it's important. This is directly after Kim is saying that as siblings, she feels like they all kind of tiptoe around each other's situations because they don't want to meddle. And she says, and I respect that no one came to me during my marriage and was like, are you good? Everyone let me have my own journey and see that on my own. And I appreciate that. But sometimes I look back and I'm like, when do we jump in? Like, that's what I'm so unclear about. And Chloe says, Well, now there's nothing to jump in on. Like now it is what it is. What I have frustrations about and it has nothing to do with any of you guys is just like, it wasn't the first or second mistake. That's the time that I wish someone would have been like, no, what do you mean? We've done this how many times? No, you're not crazy. Actually, you're fucking right. And Kim says, but if people knew what my relationship was really like, I think they would be like, how did this last so long? But I can live with myself knowing that I tried everything humanly possible to make a situation work and so I could walk away 100% guilt-free. And I feel like you could at least say you had a family, you tried everything in your might, and now you can look at your daughter in the face and say that. And that's when Chloe responds and says like, yeah, I don't have any regrets about that. And same way I have no regrets about Lamar. Which, By the way, hearing her mention Lamar in a scene about Tristan, that could be a 30-minute discussion, which I want to get into in a second. But let's focus on the Kim aspect of it all for a second. There is so much to get into here, like almost an overwhelming amount. Just starting with the Kim thing, though, I wasn't surprised that this was the case in terms of the way she speaks about her relationship with Kanye in the sense of like if people knew it was actually going on, they would be shocked that she stayed in this relationship for as long as she did. Like that didn't catch me off guard to hear her say that. I think that something that I was a little surprised by maybe is that it went on for as long as it did. Like, I think that in my head, the way I pictured it, that things only got really bad towards the end. And that for, let's say, like eight years prior, things were pretty smooth sailing with, of course, a bunch of bumps and other issues that they had had. I was surprised to hear her talk about it in a way that made it seem like this has been going on for far, far longer than you would have thought. And I think that's naive of me because I think that when I look back at their relationship and I look back at who they are as people and I look back specifically as Kanye, I should have expected that. I guess I just was a little caught off guard by the conversation. Maybe it was just the fact that she was saying it in the first place that really did it for me. 
I was so happy to hear her say this, Julie. And honestly, you and I viewing this conversation a little bit differently could maybe be attributed to the fact that I think generally speaking, we viewed their relationship differently in the earlier years. Like obviously in the more recent years, we were both on the same page that this is toxic and it needs to end. But I never got the appeal of them together in the way that you did. And to me, I think I was just always so confused why Kim was so willing to be with someone who was so clearly narcissistic and handled things in a way that I felt was so antithetical to some of the values she held so close to her. And just watching her be so clear with Chloe of like, this shit was so bad. And I don't even think I was letting people understand how bad it was. Not to say that it was validating, but it, 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 I don't know, it like confirmed the thought that I had in my head of how messy this whole thing was. I think that I was far more blinded by them being this power couple than you were. Like, I think that so much of their relationship and so much of my investment in them as a couple had more to do with that than anything else. But a really logistical side of it for me is that I think one of the reasons that I was caught off guard by hearing her say that like this has existed in as bad as it was towards the end for far longer than the public was aware of is because of that decision to have a fourth baby. That's one of the things where I was like, okay, it couldn't have been that bad if they were still making this decision to have another child together. And I know that's also another naive statement because there's a lot of things that can contribute to that. But I think that that is one of the things that I fall back on of being like, well, they must have been in somewhat of a good place at that time. Right. And who knows what was happening behind the scenes there? There's a million possibilities, as you said. I guess in my view, it was always Kanye that really wanted more children. I remember Kim saying, you know, if it was up to him, we'd have seven. Of course, she's thrilled that they have some. But in my view, it was always him that was kind of pushing for more kids. But just to go back to Chloe's response for a second, when she says to her, you know, it's just like it wasn't the first or second mistake. That's the time that I wish someone would have been like, no, what do you mean? We've done this how many times? No, you're not crazy. Actually, you're fucking right. That needs to be unpacked to me. Like, I really wish she would have elaborated on that a little bit more because what she's talking about here is the family's response to Tristan's repeated infidelity, meaning how they were handling it with her. And I think it's like a hard balance because on one hand, they want to say, fuck this guy. Also, it's the father of her child. They want to be supportive of her if she wants to rekindle. They want to be supportive of her if she doesn't. You know, like, I, I don't necessarily know the way that they were supposed to navigate that correctly. And it seems like what she was saying here was maybe they weren't harsh enough on her to end it, or maybe they were too supportive of her idea of potentially rekindling. Or what it kind of sounded like, and tell me what you think, it almost sounded like she was saying that there were times when she said, fuck it, I'm out. And the family was encouraging her to give him another shot because of the potential family they were building. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's almost the way she made it seem. Or, or do you think my read is off? No, that's how she made it seem to me. And what's happening here is like a what came first, the chicken or the egg conversation, which is like, did Chloe want to get back with Tristan and the family was so overly supportive of that? Or was it that the family was so overly supportive of the idea of them getting back together that it then gave Chloe permission to want to do that? And I think both things can exist at the same time. I think I was just taken aback at almost hearing Chloe talk about the family being so forgiving as a potential negative. You know what I kind of mean? Like, which is like such a weird thing to say, but that's almost a criticism that they've gotten from the public of like, God, why do they let these people back time and time again? Like they are too forgiving. And then it was almost Chloe was pissed at her own family for doing the very thing that they get criticized for, yet they pride themselves on. Like it's it's very complicated. And she was also just processing this in real time. I don't expect her to have her thoughts together or have it be like the most eloquent thing of like this was literally a reflection of what was going on in her mind. But I cannot express to you how interesting I found this like five-minute scene to be. No, I I mean, I totally get it. And that was also what was interesting about him bringing her own perspective into the conversation because it wasn't just her saying like, oh, I've been through shit too. Like my marriage didn't work out. Like I know how you feel. It was like the only difference between you and I is that the public is acutely aware of what you went through, whereas I was able to keep it a secret. But our families were aware of both things to a certain extent and they still supported us. And that's the question of like, at what point, do you say like you're blind to what's happening? 
Wait, I have a question about the Kim thing because what you just said is factually accurate, that the public had a much more intimate understanding of what was going on with Chloe behind the scenes than what was going on with Kim and Kanye at the time. Now things are different. I mean, we still don't really know, but at the time, nobody really understood how bad it was. But when Kim was saying that to Chloe about how, you know, she respects the family letting her come to the conclusion on her own, but they kind of, she kind of maybe wishes they would have said, are you good? Do you think that even her family knew the deepest extent of what was going on? Because my interpretation of this was that they knew something wasn't right, but that nobody understood just how bad it really was. Um, I think both. Like, I think that people didn't, even their family didn't fully know the extent to how bad it was, but also didn't know the extent of what Kim could and couldn't deal with. And maybe that was the piece of it that was harder to figure out. The reason that I think they were more aware of what was going on than it's potentially being made out to be is because of that scene a couple of episodes ago where Kim says to the family, like, and the way that Kanye treated you guys, I will never let that happen to you guys again. So clearly part of the issue in their relationship wasn't just what was going on behind closed doors. It was also what was going on within the entire family. And so, yeah, any family member could say like, well, if he's treating us like this, I can't imagine what's going on at home, even if they weren't intimately aware of what was going on behind closed doors. That is a really good point. Yes, 1 million fucking percent. And also- remember last season when they're in the Malibu house, like season 20 of Keeping Up and Kim breaks down that day and she's like, he needs someone that can travel with him and and all that stuff. Yeah, of course. That to me was like one of the first times that the sisters were really, really seeing what was going on. So I guess now that I'm like processing it as we're talking, I think maybe some of my confusion about their level of knowledge came from the fact that I think for a while it was more concealed, but towards the end, she was much more forthcoming. But I think there was a a period of time that she was really going through it and they didn't even know. Now I think they know it all. But it felt like when she broke down to them, she was at her breaking point. So what was happening pre-breaking point that she wasn't fully opening up about? Well, that's why that sentence of her saying, like, I wish somebody said to me, like, are you good? Because I think one of the things with Kim is that this whole calmness being her superpower and her always knowing what to do and say worked against her in this case because she wasn't showing them what was going on. And so from the family's point of view, it was probably like, this isn't kosher, but like Kim is not giving us any signs that she needs us to intervene. And therefore, we're just going to take a step back because we can't tell her what she should want. And I think that one of the problems that existed here was that Kim was feeling all of those things. She just wasn't letting anybody know it. And so I think that that's what we were seeing the siblings picking up on in the episodes of Keeping Up the Kardashians. It wasn't that they weren't aware of what Kanye was like or what their relationship was potentially like. It was that they weren't aware of the way that it was impacting Kim emotionally. Right. And aside from her staying calm emotionally, I would imagine, it also wasn't impacting her in the slightest business-wise or her ability to build these billion-dollar brands while she was going through, which of course should never be the indicator. But if you're trying to just evaluate the situation, I'm sure there were a lot of factors that didn't seem like anything was out of the norm. So yeah, I mean, that time frame is really interesting to me. Like the pre-breaking point, what was actually going on and what were those conversations? Like what was the first time she really opened up to Chloe, for example, about the depths of sadness she was experiencing? I don't know, but it's a really good question. And the other thing with Kim is that like you hear her say so many times throughout the course of this episode, like Chloe pretends to be so strong and Chloe thinks that she has to keep it together. And like, I'm going to check on her because I know that's not the case. The same thing is said about Kim, if not to a higher extent. I mean, Kim is besides Chris, Kim is, and even maybe not besides Chris, Kim is the rock of the family. And so when you have a rock in the way that Kim presents herself, it then becomes her job to check on everybody, make sure everybody else is good, make sure everybody else is in line, make sure everybody else's feelings are being validated. And you forget to then check on that person because it's like, oh, wow, if you're able to take that role, obviously you don't need anybody to check on you. But that's clearly what Kim is saying was the case here. It was like, she was so busy making sure everybody else was okay that nobody thought to check in with her and be like, are you actually good? Right, right. Which is obviously... Kardashians aside, just an important lesson regardless that like every person, regardless of what they're presenting, needs to be checked on. That's like one of the biggest takeaways of life, I would say. Right. Because the way Chloe processes things is like 
she does keep it all in, you can see, but she does have a reaction. It's like she's upset. She shuts down. She needs to be alone. She needs to process in her own way. And people can watch her and see that she is actively pushing those feelings down or trying to avoid them. When you look at Kim, no matter what she's going through, you can't tell that there's anything going on beyond the surface. Yeah, it's like a poker face that sometimes is maybe, you know, to her detriment. Right. Okay, I want to do the Chloe Scott scene, yes? Yes, please. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. Going off of the conversation from earlier about how Kim plays such a specific role in Chloe's life when she's going through things like this, I also feel that way about Scott in a very different way. Obviously, his is much more lighthearted and more comedic, but I really do think he brings her kind of that lighthearted fun that she craves and is lacking in these moments. But on top of that, I think it was last week when we were having the conversation that going forward for the future of the show, Scott's going to need to have other plot lines that have nothing to do with Courtney. One, because he doesn't want it. I think the public is getting sick of it. And also, she doesn't want it. Like, Courtney made it very clear last week that she wants their stories to almost be a little bit more separate. And naturally, as the years go on, they will be more. So when we were hypothesizing about his budding friendship with Pete being a plot line, like they were truly setting us up for that. I mean, that is literally what I said. I was like, I would love to see Scott in a role where we get to see his friendship with Pete. I felt like all my dreams came true in this moment. I know. Someone DM'd us and was like, quite literally from your guys' mouth to God's ears because we started to get a peek at that. And I was thinking about it because yesterday he posted a photo of that house and he was like, next project, like French Chateau to whatever he, he wrote. I think we could see also a resurgence of that. Not quite flip it like Disick vibes, but a little bit more of his home remodeling journeys film. People always have fun with that. I want to see Scott have his own plot that's not like Like, I don't want him to only be brought in when he's talking to a family member. Like, put me in a car with Scott, take me to a house, take me to a boat, take me to Miami with him. Like, I would love for him to have scenes that just exist on his own. That's about what's going on in his life. Well, that's the thing about Scott. Separate and aside from anything that's actually going on, he is a phenomenal reality television presence. Some people have it, some people don't. And he really just has it. He knows what to say. He makes those jokes. He knows the one-liners. I mean, if you look at TikTok, I would say his lines are some of the most viral of all time. So it doesn't need to be a scene involving the family for it to be an enjoyable scene to watch. But by the way, even in this scene, when he's talking to Chloe and Chloe is talking about how she goes to Scott because he just makes her laugh. And also like Scott is very protective over Chloe, very, very protective. And I think that combination of for Chloe of being able to not only laugh with Scott, but also feel that male protection was really important for her. Yeah, especially at a time when clearly the male protection was being ripped out from under her. And one could make the argument that that male protection was never actually fully reinstated after the initial cheating. You know, what was interesting about this scene, and one of the things that I liked about it was that it was the first time where Scott talking about relationships was just about his own struggles. It wasn't about him doing anything wrong, not that he hasn't and not that that shouldn't be spoken about, but like obviously, of course, he's also entitled to have his own issues relationship and his own issues with trust. And so... I felt 
really happy for Scott that he was able to have this conversation with Chloe, where he was able to say like, these are also my concerns with relationships going forward. And that wasn't then invalidated. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And then again, best part of this entire thing was the transition into the conversation about Pete and them both just saying, you know, he's a really great guy. And I think the way that this was able to be worked in so seamlessly was because basically what Scott was saying without saying it is like, there's hope that you're going to find a guy that's actually as kind hearted as Pete and not go for these fucking assholes that always screw you over. I mean, Scott verbatim says Kim did it. No, I know. And I think that he can say that to Chloe because Chloe, I don't believe, has an ounce of jealousy for this. I genuinely think she is nothing but overjoyed for Kim that she's having this with him. Well, especially because it gives her hope. This isn't a situation where Kim has just been smooth sailing this entire time and Scott's pointing at her relationship being like, well, one day you'll have what Kim has. Like she really has it figured out. It was like, no, Kim went through hell too. She came out on the other side of it. And now she has this relationship that is truly serving her in the best way possible. Somebody who is kind to her, somebody who makes her laugh. I mean, Scott also says, Kim has not had that in a while, which was such a hit at Kanye and obviously clearly deservingly so. And so I think that when Scott talks about that in terms of Chloe and her future, it was less of like, well, not to rub it in and more of like, there's clearly hope not only for you, but for me too. Completely. And also because technically in this moment, in terms of when they were filming this, Chloe and Scott, with the exception of potentially Rob, I have no idea what's going on in his dating life. They're the only two single people in the family. Candles with Devin, Kylie's with Travis, Kim's with Pete, Courtney's with Travis, Chris is with Corey. We don't know about Rob. So in this weird way, it's almost like they're bonding over the desire to find a person, even though that's clearly not where Chloe's head is at in the moment. Right. There's the camaraderie there. Right. There's an alternate world that exists, though, where Chloe and Scott are each other's wingmen and women. Or. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, every single time we arrive at a roadblock, we also arrive at a solution. Yes. I, <laughs> well, we'll see about that one. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. I love the Jingle Bells plot line. Sue me. I, I, I enjoyed every second of it. When we saw the preview for it, somebody had DM'd us and they were like, I swear to God, if they have a filler plot in the finale episode, I'll be so pissed. And so I went into that being like, yeah, I guess I don't really care about Jingle Bells. Like, why do I have to see that? 
every time, which was only like two or three that it came on, I was so relieved because I just needed that moment of levity. Like I just needed a break from how intense this episode was. Yes. And on top of the levity, I also think I just enjoyed watching Courtney and Travis in this way. Like, yeah, they were sneaking off, making out in moments, but they couldn't be. He was quite literally playing the drums. Courtney was doing the jingle bells. Chris was recording. So it was kind of just like innocent family fun. (laughs) There was something that felt good about that after (laughs) so much of the opposite. Right. Like maybe that's the key to Courtney and Travis, just like have them doing activities and put something else in their hands. They don't have each other. It's like, you know, what's the funniest thing for me is like they go to their fertility treatments. Like you have this one time where you're like, you know what? There's no possible way they could like be making out like they're in a doctor's office and they figured out a way to have sex in that doctor's office. And ever since then, I've been like, what won't they figure out a way to do? But the key to it is to have Chris in the room at a recording studio with objects in both of their hands. It's not enough to just have Chris. They need to be actively busy. Right. So they were pre- they were preoccupied and clearly we've you know cracked the code, which we got it in episode 10, but we still got it. And by the way, it's not like we didn't get a makeout scene. Like Chris is literally walking through the halls and they're doing that thing where they're like kissing, licking each other's mouths. I'm desensitized. Everything about their sex life is confusing to me. I know, but it's fun. I'm so interested. I don't give a fuck. I am so interested. I mean, I'm I clearly not that desensitized because still during that realtor scene, I was like, all right, what is going on here? But I would say generally speaking, I'm a little bit desensitized. I think we all have become, but there's, I, and I'm fascinated by it. Like, I don't even necessarily want it to stop. I've seen so many TikToks of people being like, if I hear Courtney and Travis say the word follicle one more time, I can't watch the show. I don't feel that way. Like, I want to see that. I am so intrigued by the behind the scenes of their entire thing. But that doesn't mean that I'm not actively confused. That doesn't mean that I've come to understand their thing with feet. <laughs> no, and you know something, Julie? We just may never, which is okay. I'm I'm okay with that personally, yeah. In terms of what else we got here, obviously we have the cliffhanger of Chris Sana production. Oh, you have no idea what's going on with my family right now. <laughs> and I thought it was so funny for the producer to be like, well, I would love to be there with a the camera. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Like, what could that possibly be? Could have just been a continuation of the Tristan stuff. Could have been the, oh, could have been the Kanye thing, actually. Oh, of him posting? Yeah, it could have been some of the Kanye social media stuff. Oh, that could be it. Because I was trying to think like what big event, like had the Chloe and Tristan thing not happened, for example, and Chris had left us with that, I would have said like, okay, it's an ev- it's that. Or like it's an event like that that like broke the internet. But I couldn't think of anything else that would be as big as the Chloe and Tristan thing or an event that broke the internet like that. But I really, I think it must be the Kanye thing. Which will be interesting to see the way that they handle that in general, because there's no way that you know, Kim's going to be as unfiltered as she could be, understandably so. I mean, she's the number one person leading the charge of like, it's the father of my children. I have to watch what I say. But it still will be interesting to watch them navigate that next season. Totally. The one thing that we didn't mention, which is now going kind of out of order, but I guess we just skipped over this accidentally, is when they're sitting down during the Hulu photo shoot and Kim and Chloe go off to the trailer to talk. And Chloe's saying, you know, in a way she feels kind of vindicated because there's no blurred lines now and nothing's gray. And she's almost grateful for the clarity because she kept saying something's not right here. And everyone was like, no, it's fine. You know, you're just damaged from before. And then she gives the reference about how when she was doing the down payment on the house, he wanted to split it with her. And Chris was saying, what a kind gesture. You should let him do it. And Chloe was like, absolutely not. This is my thing. I want to do it alone. And she's basically saying to Kim that she feels so happy that she stuck to her gut on that one, which Chris as you know, I think is one of the most brilliant women I've ever encountered, but she is dead wrong for that one. Chloe doing this entirely on her own was the best decision she has ever made. Right. Well, what's interesting again is that it then comes back to the timeline of when they were together and when they weren't, because presumably if Chloe is in the house in December moved in, this is a project that's been working on for a couple of years now, or two, let's say two years, This is a situation where they, in our minds, wouldn't have been back together when they were doing the down payment on the home. And so therefore, it's interesting that was even a thought that occurred. And I think that my view of their relationship, especially in regards to the way that Chris was saying to her, like, oh, it's such a kind gesture. You should do that. And she was saying, like, I always knew something was a little bit off. And everyone kept telling me, like, oh, it's just the trauma. It's just the residual trauma. If you were to ask me what I thought about the situation, I would have said that 
Chloe was actively stopping herself from falling so hard back with Tristan because she logically knew that it was the right answer, but her heart was so in it. And it's interesting because we're now learning the opposite is the case. Whereas like maybe she wasn't fully in it and maybe she wasn't a hundred percent sure, but her brain was telling her like, okay, he's doing everything right. Right. And everyone around her was almost trying to make her more comfortable with the logistics of the situation as she alluded to in that previous scene with Kim. It's, it's, yes, it is, it is very interesting how there's almost the reverse of the emotional versus logistical conversation that we had been having. And she makes that clear here. And that's the other thing with the family is that like, I think that while they're processing it, there is almost a certain level of guilt because I don't know if guilt's the right word, but Tristan fooled all of them too. And that's, Kendall says that in her scene where she's like, a lot of this hurt comes from the fact that like, we were all fooled. And I think that where the guilt comes into play is like, we let ourselves be fooled by this person. I know. And when you look at it, it's kind of complicated because on one hand, it's like, well, they were letting themselves be fooled because they thought that that was what was best for Chloe. Like if she's going to make a life with this guy, we may as well try to get on board. However, we're now learning the flip side of that is actually maybe we were too fooled. And by us being fooled, we were actually then contributing to her being allowed to get hurt again because we were encouraging it. It's like there's so many things at play and no one's to say what actually went down in what way and to what extent it contributed. But it's 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 complex for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a million layers here because that's the other thing is like the, uh, we as the public were never fully on board with Tristan. But it wasn't because we were like, oh, he can't possibly change. I think it was because like, wow, he did so much shit before. How could you forgive him? And those are two separate things. And I think that when we were watching the show, especially in like the last seasons of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, for example, when you see him putting so much work in, you see him spending so much time with the family and doing everything that Chloe asked for him and doing all of these grand gestures. It's not like you were ever able to fully accept that because you hadn't fully forgiven him yet. But there was a side of it where you're examining just like the sheer human or the sheer humanity behind it of like, well, there's no way that you can care this much and put this much work in and try this hard and then screw up again. It's like just logistically that probably wouldn't happen. And so there, in a sense, he did kind of fool all of us too. Yeah. I think that the conclusion of all of this is that the guy is slightly sociopathic. I really do believe that. Honestly. I do too. I do too. And as- and as Chloe said, th- he just got caught this time. How many instances were there where there wasn't a baby and the woman did sign an NDA and, and nothing ended up coming from it? But this is just the time he got caught. He's been cheating that entire time, every time he was on the road. I would bet so much money on that. I really want Chloe to end up with like a rich Paul. Yeah, I'm very curious to see where she goes next. Although I definitely think it is going to take a lot for her to introduce that relationship to the public. Oh, I think so too. But it was promising in all of this that she continued to say, like, I know I will get my fairy tale ending. Yeah. And I think that she really does know that. I don't think she was just saying that to make herself feel better. No, I don't think so either. I think that, like, but also I think that she has to have that hope because it's happened for the other siblings too. It's like she looks at Courtney and she looks at Kim. And even if Kim and Pete don't get married, it's like, here was this grand thing that happened after such a toxic relationship and such a hard time in Kim's life that allowed her to see this light at the end of the tunnel. Same thing for Courtney. And I think that it's not just that Chloe believes that that's going to happen. It's just like, that is how the universe plays out. Like that will happen for me. Right. And I really do believe that she, she feels that. I don't know. This was a good ass season and I cannot wait for it to come back. I mean, I guess in the meantime, we'll do the old season recaps or if there's something major going on, we can devote that episode to it. Or if there's something major non-Kardashian, we can devote the bonus show to that. But (laughs) nothing will be as thrilling as doing these episodes. It's like truly a a high for me. I loved being back. Like this was just, oh, this was such a highlight for me. I know. (laughs) I also want to say, I'm still too traumatized. Fuck it. (laughs) Do you want to talk about it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. All right. I Please, God, just hear this and and no one needs to DM. We're over it. We're moving on. We're laughing about it now. But (laughs) just to acknowledge the elephant in the room, on Monday's episode, there was a major editing slash production mishap that occurred where (laughs) like the unedited ad was put into the episode And just so you know, the way that we do the ads, like we do them separately, right? So we record a track with all the ads and then they get inserted into the show. And sometimes I can do it on the first take. 
And sometimes it takes me literally 15 times. Like I cannot get the words out. And Julie's on the other end of the recording. She's muted and she writes down the timestamps. <laughs> I think it was the solo stove ad. I must have restarted it literally 15 times to the point where I was praying. I was like, dear God, just let me get my words out. And that ended up in the motherfucking episode. So on Tuesday when the episode goes up, because Monday also, the reason it wasn't up on Monday is there was another major production issue. On Tuesday, the episode goes up and we had listened to it five times. It was perfect. It was ready to go. We start getting these DMs of like, guys, guys, there's a major editing issue. Or like calling production. I literally thought I was walking down Fifth Avenue and I thought I was about to throw up, like hearts pounding because that's my worst nightmare. Like it's mortifying. <laughs> it's me sitting here trying to fucking do the solo stove ad. So if you heard that, no, you didn't. <laughs> and Julie was like, Julie was like, do you think we're ever going to be able to laugh about it? And I was like, I honestly don't know. Like I was distraught and that's not how I normally get. I'm so calm with like most things, but this is just something that we are so crazy about, like making sure that everything and the episode comes out in the way that we want it to. So yeah, just thanks everyone for still sticking with us. Even if you heard my 15 retakes of that ad that we're never supposed to see the light of day. <laughs> I will say that the one silver lining in this is that a lot of times we talk about our editing process and we'll get DMs being like, I really want to hear your outtakes. Like, are you guys like deleting content? Like, you want to hear the things that you say that didn't make the episode? Like, just so you know, the things don't that don't make the episode are these things. Like, are the <laughs> 99 start overs to be able to get a point out. Like, that's what the editing process is. So at least now you could all rest knowing that like we aren't taking out anything that you would even want to remotely hear. Oh my God, no, no. I can't believe that I, I have the courage to even talk about this. I, I know it may sound so ridiculous, but you have to understand that for us, specifically for me, it was traumatizing, like literally traumatizing. I couldn't go on Instagram. I told Julie, I was like, I will not be checking our account for the next two days because I couldn't bear to see the DMs. And I know people obviously were just being so kind, like guys, just a heads up in case you didn't know. Of course, I, I so appreciate that. But it was hands down, hands down the worst podcast day in all four years, whatever we've been doing this. So uh, thanks for sticking with us through that <laughs> time. I'm oh, so really. happy to be on the other side right now. <laughs> I was, I don't fully feel on the other side, but I guess, I, I guess, I guess we are. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, like one of those things where it's like, well, don't draw attention to it. You know what? You got to acknowledge it. I had to acknowledge it. It's too, it's too fucking embarrassing to not. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> so that's that. And we love you guys so much. We'll see you tomorrow for Bravo and next week for a regular episode. Bye.